Welcome to the Wander Mom Diaries podcast, an opportunity to clear the fog of motherhood and hear stories from around the world about adventures near and far to home, along with advice to simplify your busy life. I'm your host, Mandy. I love traveling and have been fortunate to have so many opportunities to explore in my lifetime before having a child. And now that I'm a new mom, I'm trying to find ways to balance my life's ambitions with life's reality. And the reality is, things are just different now. It's a good different, but I'm definitely on a journey to blend the identity I once had with my identity now. I don't have all the answers, but I believe that we all have value from our experiences that could help one another, and that's exactly why I created this podcast. In this show, a wonder mom is defined as a woman juggling all the things, but still has the desire to stay ambitious and find adventure in life, no matter what obstacles come her way. You will hear interviews that focus on adventures you can do with your family, along with episodes packed with helpful advice to hopefully make life a little easier. If you're intrigued and want to hear more, then I must welcome you, fellow Wander Mom. I'm so glad you're here. Let's get started. Welcome to this episode about learning a new language. I'm your host, Mandy Kramer, and I'm so excited to share this interview with my good friend and language guru, Natalia. I had the privilege of getting to know Natalia when I started working at the International School in Sweden and our friendship quickly grew from there. I brought her on today to focus on the discussion of acquiring a new language. By the end of this episode, you will gain an excellent insight as to how you can get started today in learning that new language you always wanted to master, and you will also learn valuable strategies on how to help your child learn more than one language. Whether you only know one language like me or already know multiple languages and want to pass this skill on to your children, this episode is for you. Let's dive into the interview. Hello, and welcome to the Wander Mom Diaries podcast. I have my good friends and idol, pretty much, (laughs) Natalia. She's here to talk about multilingual strategies. I think I'll have Natalia tell her story of where she's from and where she's been. If you want to just go ahead and share a little bit about yourself, that would be awesome. Okay. Well, my name is Natalia and I was born in, uh, actually back then it was the Soviet Union, what is now the Russian part, so the Russian Federation. Far away from everywhere, even I think more than 3,000 kilometers away from Moscow, the capital of the country. Obviously, my mother tongue is Russian, so I spoke to uh, spoke to Russian to my parents, to my friends, everywhere. It was not until I was 10, I was supposed to start learning a new language. And it was, uh, well, a foreign language, it was either German or English. And everybody actually wanted to learn English. But uh, because of the history of our country, we uh, because of the war between, uh, well, with Germany, it was very important that uh, students also learn German. And But nobody wanted. So they said, okay, every third person on the list. And I happened to be number six. So they told me, well, you're going to be learning German. And I, and I lost it. And I said, like, this language doesn't have any future for me. And I want to learn <laughs> English. And I actually even left uh, the room. And they let me learn English. So my first foreign language was English. I didn't wait, know wait, wait. I, I want to pause you for a second. You left the room. What did what I do you left mean? the room? I actually lost it, and I said, "Like, no, you're not gonna make me learn German." And I went home. <laughs> it was like a bit of a drama. I mean, it was not typically me. As a matter of fact, they let me speak English. What I didn't know back then, ten probably years later, right when I turned twenty, I moved to Germany. I moved to Germany. I learned that language. And I even got a German um, citizenship. 
So that language at the end has a future for me. And uh, <laughs> I think maybe that's why like Destiny played it. So when I moved uh, to Germany, I have already been studying German for a while at the university in order to be a teacher. So I was uh, studying German and English. We uh, had a possibility to go abroad for uh, half a year or a year. It's a pretty famous uh, scholarship in uh, Europe called Erasmus. Almost everybody who wants can go somewhere. And we picked, my friend and I, we picked Spain. So we went to Spain and spent uh, seven months there where nobody speaks English or German. So we were forced to speak Spanish. So we learned it pretty fast and pretty well. And when I came back, uh, I decided to study uh, Spanish as well, like to, to add it to my languages to be able to teach Spanish. Right. So I have a quick question for you learning Spanish, for example. There was no Duolingo back then. <laughs> that no. app did not exist. So what were you doing to, to learn? Were you just, did you have a translation book? I started learning on my own, maybe like seven months before, eight months before. And right, there was no Duolingo, but they were like books with the, with the help of which you could learn on your own with a CD inside. So that's what I did. So you learn to read. So I had some base. I also learned Latin, but it was after, after Spanish. And this is where Spanish helped me. And you know, if you know one uh, Romance language, for example, in my case, it was uh, Spanish, then it's so much easier to learn other Romance la languages. For example, then I learned, uh, uh, French and then, yeah, I learned Italian. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say if somebody asks me, do you, do you speak Italian? I wouldn't say I speak it, but I understand it. I can watch movies and I even works a bit as an interpreter, but I wouldn't say that I speak it fluently. I always wonder if I, I know that it's almost an American curse that we only speak English. Well, you know, I'm just being general here. The different places that you've been to to learn the language, you've been able to be immersed in it and surrounded by it. Mm, that's and the that, best, yeah. yeah, that can help so much. And I wonder if I really did work hard and try and learn Spanish, for example, if the, yeah, if it just takes one to then you can do more. Mm -hmm. um, but just getting that one is so difficult, <laughs> especially when you know yeah. English, because everybody learns English. Yeah, um, you have a different yeah, situation because I, you know, nobody wants to practice Russian with me. Actually, the other way around, people are so scared of Russian. Those who learned it's like they have terrible experience. Most of them, they say like you, you want to speak Russian. You, you can learn vocabulary, but building sentences, it's so complicated. And I'm actually so thankful that Russian is my mother tongue. Because I think it's so difficult to learn. But um, if I had to give a tip to someone how to learn a language, and you're absolutely right, the best thing is to learn it uh, in the country. But you shouldn't go there without, like, with zero knowledge of language because you will waste a lot of time getting this base. So I would say if you know, for example, that you are moving to Sweden or to France or to Italy, start learning on your own. Three, four months uh, on your own. And now there, there are so many possibilities. So you can make simple sentences. You can make yourself understood. You can buy bread. You will not get lost. And then your progression will be so much faster. They, absolutely. 
and I think also it's not, you shouldn't be afraid of making mistakes. I make a lot of mistakes when I speak Swedish, just because my husband doesn't want to speak Swedish with me. But um, yeah, because he's stubborn and he, he thinks that uh, it's still a competition. Um, who's going to speak, who speaks better? Like he, he, what is better, he's Russian or my Swedish? But he lost it a long time ago and I think he knows. And that's, <laughs> but he's still like, um, However, everybody knows that it's not your mother tongue. So and nobody expects you to speak it absolutely correctly. And people, they're, they're grateful if you try to speak their language. I think that's good for people to hear because it is very intimidating when you try to speak another language with somebody um, and, and you are afraid of making mistakes. In Sweden, for example, when I, I was like that, I was so scared to to speak and to make mistakes or if they were to respond, if I if it wasn't in the script that I memorized, <laughs> I would <laughs> I be like, that. wait, yeah, yeah. what did you say? I don't, okay, I don't actually know Swedish. Can you say that in English? And then I, you know, panic. Um, so it is, it is stressful, but uh, a lot of times I would just start with an English, like I'm going to try to speak Swedish. And then they'd be like, okay. And then they were, they would play along and, and help me and talk slow. And that was very helpful. You have to stumble your way through, but the more you do it, the better you get at it. I think Sweden is additionally difficult because everybody speaks amazing English. Everybody except for maybe small kids. So another tip is to sp speak Swedish to, you know, like five year olds who don't, don't, who don't, like, you know, kids who don't go to school yet. Like, so when uh, Sophia's friends pick her up, I always speak Swedish to them and they're always like, well, what language are you talking and where are you from? And they're absolutely fine that I speak with an accent or make mistakes. They're very underst understanding and they're not trying to switch into English. That's the thing because mm -hmm. they simply don't know it. I think also you can read books and this is where you can also be like step down on your expectations. And I start, uh, read a lot of books in Swedish, which I wouldn't probably have read in another language because, because they're maybe a bit too, I wouldn't say primitive, but I mean, a bit of an easy read. Yeah. Do you think the human brain only has so much capacity for language? I don't think so. Actually, I think uh, it has a lot of capacity. You can learn. The problem is you have to keep them alive a bit. You have to, if you don't use a language, it will, you will forget it. And it's not very easy in our lives if you, if you have a full-time job and kids and family and you want to work out. And at the same time, you have to keep all your languages. So I try to have a system in order not to forget. Okay, I speak English daily. But then uh, also when I work, I speak Spanish every day. So I try to then, for example, watch something in, in Italian and watch something in, and read something in, in uh, Swedish. The problem is if you have more than 10 languages, it's, it, it's getting a bit difficult. It's just a bit of a tricky business to, to keep them afloat, yeah, to keep them alive. Yeah, that's, those are some interesting strategies, especially reading in one language, listening to a show in another language, working in another language. So I guess we should give the listeners a bit of background on what you do. So you teach Spanish yes, at I teach an Spanish international in a, yes, school. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and then you live in Sweden right now. So you met your husband in Germany mm -hmm. and... He's Swedish. So that's how Sweden exactly. kind of went into that, went into your crazy language life story. <laughs> yeah, next, yeah, yeah, exactly. So I'd like to um, transition to your, your family and your kids. You have two beautiful girls, uh, Sophia and Victoria, and they have um, 
spent most of their life in Sweden, would you say? Or would you say a mix of Germany um, and Sweden? I think for Victoria, it would have been... So now we've been here for four years. Yeah, but Victoria spent, yeah, five years in Germany. Then we spent uh, one year in China. And then now it's been almost four years here. Actually, it's been four years in Sweden. In Sweden. Okay. All right. So um, I'd love to talk about how you've brought language into your family. I know your husband can speak multiple languages, um, but for for most, I'd say the average family that is listening to this podcast is most likely speaking one, maybe two languages, and maybe would like to hear some tips that you have in helping your kids become multilingual and any struggles that you may have experienced as well. But do you have any tips? Let's start with that. Yeah, first of all, um, there is an approach, one parent, one language, O-P-O-L or O-P-O. And uh, this is what we tried doing from the very beginning. That means Jacob, my husband, was speaking Swedish, only Swedish, all the time to the kids. And we lived in Germany and uh, and I spoke Russian. So we had three languages from the very beginning. And I would say even four because we our common language was English. So he would speak English to the, uh, Swedish to the kids, English to me, and I would speak Russian to the kids, English to me, and we lived in Germany. At the beginning, German was, we were, I was a bit worried about uh, lack of German. Or I was thinking, like, what, what is going to happen with German? But um, the language of the country where you live, and you shouldn't be worried about it. The kid would learn in a kindergarten or, you know, outside school, wherever. And they say, also, you should speak the language that you were brought up um, in because this is the language you're most emotional in and um, so this is the language you should be using with your child and as, uh, at the beginning I remember with Victoria she was she started speaking a bit later maybe than an average kid also maybe because she had uh, those uh, multiple languages and she didn't know which language to start with and she started mm-hmm. picking the easiest words from each language for example if she wanted to say look she picked the Swedish word titta which is definitely shorter and easier to pronounce than the Russian smatri. And, and, and then um, she, tried, she started differentiating and speaking Swedish to Jacob and Russian to me. And, and well, her uh, German was very limited, but when she started going to kindergarten, she learned it very, very fast, especially with, you know, with the other kids. And uh, um, actually her teacher said within six weeks she managed to catch up with the group that's awesome then it's just like it's all about keeping the languages alive um, because a kid is a a smart creature and soon understands it why should i speak russian or swedish to them if they i know that they they speak german but sophia she she started speaking german to me instead instead of russian and they were learning german just outside of the house then yeah, exactly. So German was the language, uh, you know, with the nanny or like kindergarten, outside, TV, and the neighbors, friends, right? So it is like the majority language. And this is the language you should never be worried about. Kids would always learn it. And this is when you need some tricks and uh, some help from outside. And you need then somebody who truly can't speak uh, any other language. And this is where grandma comes. Kids knew that she only had to speak, they only had to speak Russian to her because she wouldn't otherwise, she wouldn't understand anything else. Some parents say they make the kids believe that they can't speak any other language, which is, uh, which is great if it works. You know, if I say, for example, uh, sorry, I don't understand German, only speak Russian to me. 
but they are not stupid and they've overheard me, for example, speaking German. So, you know, but if you get now, if you get a person who, who can't speak German, then it works very well. And obviously, the very, very best is to travel to the country. So when we go to Russia and maybe spend a month there, at the end of our stay, both of them start speaking Russian to each other, which is a very, very rare situation because R- Russian is not their like, dominant language. What about books? Do you think that can influence uh, the language development as having books in different languages in the house? I know you as an adult read different languages and that's helped you. Um, do you have different languages in your library at home? Yeah, absolutely. So so we have our kids, the idea is that, let me, uh, let's say Victoria, my oldest, she speaks four languages, especially right now. I would say German for her is the is the one that is the weakest at the moment. So then I, yeah, we, we read uh, in German sometimes or watch a cartoon or watch something. I even allow her sometimes. Yes, you can watch this uh, show uh, or this movie on Netflix, but watch it in German so that you combine like pleasure and learning a bit. Like with Sophia, for example, every time when I bring her to bed, we, we, we listen to a Russian podcast about traveling or we watch a cartoon in Russian and discuss it. So that it's never, I would never ever watch with her an English cartoon because she knows when, when it's, when it's with mama, it's going to be in Russian. Um, I love that. Yeah. And it's kind of, she's looking forward because it's, it's fun. But she knows she's only allowed to watch a cartoon before going to bed if it's in Russian. It's so true that there's so many resources out there with the internet. That's such an easy way to get artificially immersed in the language. If you have TV on in the background and you have it set to German, you're going to be hearing German. Hearing yeah. German. And it makes me want to like turn on the TV and put on Spanish because I'm trying to learn Spanish. Well, so far it's been easier than Swedish because the words are very similar to English. If you were to look at them, you can, for the most part, figure it out. It's more motivating. It's like... It's such a big language in comparison to Swedish, right? <laughs> exactly. When I was in Sweden, I was like, well, I could try. I had, I just built that base that you were mentioning earlier with Swedish. And yeah. then we're, we know we're moving. Sweden, you can only use Swedish in Sweden. And then it's like, all right, if I'm going to be putting in a lot of brain power into learning a language, I might as well have it be one that I could use in more countries and be a little bit more helpful, especially because when you're in Sweden, everyone knows English so well. Um, so it wasn't that motivating to learn another language, even though I really wanted to Sweden, Swedish wasn't the best choice for me. <laughs> I, I agree. I mean, I agree that it's not extremely motivating to learn Sweden, Swedish in Sweden. You can only use it in Sweden. And then it's, uh, every, every Swede speaks English. However, that's what I think like sometimes it's always good to learn a language and then, uh, it's a good secret language later, wherever you are, you could always switch into Swedish and then. Uh, yeah, I hope that uh, people don't understand you. I think actually all languages are wonderful. All languages are worth learning. I just, I can't even imagine a language I wouldn't want to learn. I know that um, traveling has always been a motivator to learn another language. So the more that you travel, the more internal motivation you feel to learn those languages and you've been able to travel different places and your family has been able to travel and use those languages and I know whenever we go to a foreign country where we don't know the, the 
we can't read or, or say anything. It's like you really feel this push of, I really want to learn this language. It just motivates you to try and be a little bit more, um, yeah, lingual, <laughs> I guess is the word I'm looking for. Have you experienced any troubles with your kids in learning languages? Sometimes my husband, who is not really, who is very good at languages, but he's not a linguist himself. He does something like, Victoria and Sophia only speak Swedish to each other. <laughs> I, I forbid you to speak English to each other. And I said, like, you can't do that. Language is something like natural. It comes natural. You can't forbid to speak a language. Um, but what you can, you can create situations where they have to speak, for example, Swedish to each other. And I said, like, if we as a family spoke Swedish at home, that would make it easier for them to speak Swedish. But that would mean that he would have to speak Swedish to me, which he would never do, because that would make my Swedish even better. So it's a little... So you understand. I'm laughing because I know Jacob. <laughs> He's very competitive. He's very competitive, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, what, what you can do as a parent is create those situations where the kid has to speak the language, whether it's inviting uh, grandparents or traveling to a country, or um, having a play date, and it works. I love that you're creating or trying to create those situations where it comes naturally and they don't feel forced because no one wants to be forced to do anything. And they might actually, um, it might backfire on the parent if they try to force things too much to just let it be, trying to make it fun, find those cartoons, find those books, find those, you know, fun friends that can speak those other languages and and approach it that way. I think that's really, really good advice. Yeah. Well, this has been really great. Thank you so much for all of your fun stories and your advice about languages. I thought you would be the perfect person to ask. And um, yeah, so thank you, Natalia. I really appreciate you taking the time. Oh, you're welcome, Mandy. It was a pleasure. Thanks for taking the time to join in on this episode on the Wander Mom Diaries podcast. If you'd like a clear and concise resource for the main points of this episode, check out my blog at www.wandermomdiaries.com. Easy to remember, right? Additionally, on the blog, you will find stories and support for adventurous mothers like yourself. And since we are usually listening on the go or while multitasking, you can resort to this blog for notes so that you can remember to use this helpful information when you need it. You can also subscribe to the email list and you will automatically be notified of when new blog posts and podcasts are posted. Thanks for your support. We are all here to help each other. So if you're a fellow Wander Mom who would like to share your story on the podcast, reach out to me in the DMs on Instagram at Diaries or email me at WanderMomDiaries at gmail.com. I would absolutely love to hear your story. Thanks again for tuning in and don't be afraid to explore away, Wander Moms.